Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity, and we are officially at episode 50. Bum, bum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, bum, bum. I actually like I started this two years ago, pretty much almost on the on the dot two years ago. I yeah. started I think I started it in August of 2016. Yeah. And like this is just crazy to me. Um I've had new friendships form out of this, like not just with me, but like a guest has come on and then someone else has reached out to me saying, Hey, I really want to get in co- in contact with that guest and give them a speaking engagement. Like I've had um several different compliments and, and, and comments one way or the other, you know, both positive and negative about, about people who've been impacted by this. Like, it's just incredible to me, the journey that this has been. I, I'm just in awe of it. I it's crazy. can't believe it. It's been awesome. And I didn't think I'd last this long, to be honest. Like, I'm good at seeing an idea through, but like podcasting, podcasting doesn't have like a through. You just do it. Like there's it's no ending. Yeah. Yeah, unless you unless you're doing like a story podcast or something that has a definite end, a start point and end point, this doesn't have an end point. It's just whenever yeah. I decide to end it. So when we when we die, that's the yeah. I will say the vision of this has definitely expanded. Yeah, um, I, the vision of this is has um, where I was used to. I was gonna originally just focus on social justice issues and race issues. I've expanded it a bit, um, mainly so that we have enough for a weekly show that fits within my schedule, but also um, because I actually think that a lot of these issues, the way we interact with each other and the way we interact at church can play into racial and social justice issues. Um, so it, it's, it, 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 we've expanded a bit, but I don't think we're necessarily off track with what my original vision was. And of course we've added you midway through this journey as our co-host. So thank you, Tony, Almost for being exactly a part of it too. I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, yeah, I was like episode 20, 
21? I think two? you came out on 21, but then you and came then back re- on back later. On, yeah. It's just pretty, so, that's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'll take it. I think it was 22. 21 was uh, No Country <laughs> for Single People. Don't ask why I know that specifically. It was, it was a good one, though. I like that one. Like I, I said, like one. The, the, the one that made me really hop on was um, it was uh, uh, the one you did on the, on the annual council. But then, like, the ones, like, that was the one I was like, oh, I got to join. But then, like, listening to the other ones up to that point, um, you know, up to where we were recording, I was like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Like, you really kind of come into your own as far as finding your voice. And that's why, like, mm-hmm. I really liked it. And I think we've kind of done that again where we have kind of found our collective voice and also, like, expanded that vision of, like, where we're going. Because you do have to be kind of narrow to start anything. Like, anything yeah, worth absolutely. doing has to have, like, a really narrow base to start with. Um, but then as you grow, you expand it. And you see this a lot in the music industry especially. Like, I think it's super it's super obvious in the music industry. Um <clears throat> Because when you see, we all have that band that sold out. Like we all have that band that when we started, they had a super narrow uh, focus for their vision. And then they either expanded out and were like, oh man, they sold out. Or they expanded and like U2 or the Beatles or something like that, where it's like, oh man, this is so much better. Like you can see how, when it's done well or not. And then you see some bands that never expand their vision and they stay like that one hit wonder or, you know, they they just kind of stay like with the same sound. You're like, I'm listening to the same music. 13 years later. There's one band, though, that has done that well, and that's Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers have had the, like, they've played but the see, exact same song for, narrow, like, 20 years. But that wasn't they're, really they're, a narrow vision. Like, there's such a fusion style of, like, is, five different things, and it's so iconic. Like, you know, like, I can be anywhere in the world, and someone plays a song, I'm like, is that a Red Hot Chili Peppers song? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. But that's what I'm saying. Like they're the one thing that they've stuck with their narrow vision of what they want to do, which is that fusion yeah. of different genres. Yeah. And they've and they've they've kept it for twenty some odd years, like or well, thirty like, years. Just even how the so. band is made, like if you know or this isn't a <laughs> this is kind of a tangent, but like the way that they're made, like Flea is a, a jazz bassist. Um yeah. and, and Anthony, whatever his name is, like he's a he's a rock guy. Um that I think the, um the drummer is like um it's like a heavy metal drummer that they found and kind of break. So it's like, it really is even there just how they were created. But that's kind of how this podcast is a little bit too segueing. See what I did there? Um, ah. It's kind of like how this podcast is made though. It's yeah, like, you and I don't speak for a living and yet here we are speaking. For a living. Um, <laughs> and it's, but it's like that idea of we have such very different understandings, even though we're so much on the same page, it's like we can come at it from a bunch of different angles as far as like even how this yeah. podcast goes moving forward. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll do the next 50 because that's when we know we've made it. <clears throat> so the, like next the next 50, 100? Yeah. Yeah. If you can get to yeah. 100, that's the big one. So this is exciting. So are you roasting in Phoenix right now? Because you're not in Berrien Springs. Dude, I can legit, see this lovely childhood photo of your brother right now. Legit. Yeah, you can. That's actually, okay. You're blocking that, your own childhood photo, but you yeah. look like a child actor. That's Andrew and then Ari and... You see that your photo I, looks like a childhood actor's photo. I, I was a child. That's yeah. So that's another well, story. There you that's go. A, that's, that's why. That, yeah. That's for the Patreon. <laughs> episode Patreon. 50, episode, episode 100. Uh, we'll. <laughs> no, I, patch, Patreon. Um, yeah. So I am, I'm roasting. I'm back home for a week. This is really exciting for me. I got to go home. Flew back in super late Monday night. And then yesterday, uh, my two younger brothers uh, showed up. Technically, there's a whole long story there. But the long story short is 
they are not blood family and they do not stay with us the majority of the year. So whenever we get to see them, hmm. it's really exciting. And they happen to be in Arizona at the time. Um, and so the, the, their, uh, the aunt was like, yeah, you can have them for a few, you know, up to the weekend. And we're like, sweet. So I was babysitting yesterday. <laughs> we were supposed to record awesome. yesterday. And I was like, all of a sudden, ding dong. Like, <laughs> it's <laughs> definitely one o'clock. Um, like six so, hours before. <clears throat> by the way, as we as we kind of transition into this, into what we're talking about today, real quick favor to ask of listeners who uh, have normally reached out to me. You know who you are. Um, I'm testing out a different mic this episode, so if I sound better, sound worse, feel free to write in and let me know. I'm just testing something out, but thank you guys so much for listening to this. If I put it at the end, I know you won't listen to it, so I'm putting it at the beginning, because that's how podcasts work. Um, all right, so let's, <laughs> let's Tony, let's jump into uh, what, what this, I love this is topic. There are going to be some what? people that fast forward this part, and they're just going to write it in anyways. Like, did you do something different with your mic? Oh, yeah, of course. That's great. Of course. Um, it sounds so, terrible. That's what they'll do. So, all right, um, let's talk about nerd culture. You came to me with this idea. I did. Um, and what I find funny is what you're, one of your first episodes on, you talked about your own kind of nerdy background. Right? You're like, yeah, yeah my, that's going to be infused into this show. And it's, I'm really going to bring did. it. And you I have really not at it all. Was. At all. You've ta- you've, at we talked about like Spider-Man I, one I time. I listened to a couple. I listened to a couple. I've done like a, like a few, like every once in a while. What I found has been interesting, like everything, most times when I have a conversation, I do a lot of analogies and for time reasons, ironically, because everything's like an hour, but for time reasons, I've found I have been able to do that. So I tend to go straight to this, like speak straight to the subject itself rather than branching out. Um, Because if anyone actually knows me, like in real life, like I'm constantly like quoting, you know, 80s movies and and, uh, Marvel stuff, like my brother and I had a whole conversation driving a, a buddy back. We picked him up from Chicago and we drove him back. And the whole way we discussed like the Batman, like the Nolan Batman uh, Chronicles and like everything. And it was like, the, this guy didn't realize like what he was doing. He was like, Oh, so you guys fan of, you know, the DC worlds. And all of a sudden we're like, Brah! and then we just word vomited for three hours on this poor dude. Um, but yeah, so, um, I think that nerd culture is interesting. It's definitely a huge part of my life. I know Becker to a, to a slight extent. Um, it's a part of yours. Um, you you you've been to a comic con, right? I've not been to a comic con. Okay, okay, okay. Believe it or I not, I thought you had. Um, no, I have friends like, who have, but I I've not. We, we have like a bunch of mutual friends that are huge nerds, and one of the things that I, like we always start with this baseline. So that's the question I think we're going to start off with is like, okay, so in your mind, what is nerd culture? All right, nerd culture for me. Well, let me let me. I think first, let's preface it this way, since we're going to be using this word a lot. Um, whenever we talk about nerd culture, we're not talking about it in a negative sense. Like we're not saying like yeah. nerds are a bad yeah. thing. Um, both Tony and I would actually classify ourselves kind of Usually. as as Usually. as as diving into nerd culture in different segments. So I'm more on the gaming side. You're more on the comic yeah. book um, and and entertainment side. So. Yeah. Um, when we talk about nerd culture, yeah. yeah, we're not we're not being derogatory. We're not saying it's a bad thing to be a nerd. That's not it at all. Um, we're doing we're, we're using the word nerd culture because that's just the easiest way to. That's the most identifiable descriptor of it's it. It's a self identifying way. Like that's what we call ourselves. Yeah. You know, but, it's like, but nerd hey, culture. Up, like, I find it interesting because nerd culture. Like, I think it came out of bullying. 
right? Like yeah. it's the kids that weren't into sports and all the athletic mm-hmm. stuff, right? So, yeah. so it came out of that. But really, it's no different than someone who is a fan of sports or is a fan of of certain books or or any. Which, to be fair, some books that does classify as nerd culture: Harry Potter, uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, a lot of those kind of fantasy novels uh, puts you in nerd culture, and uh, and especially the further back you go. And but nerd culture is really it's it's I don't even want to say it's alternative media and entertainment because it's not especially it's because not, yeah. Marvel and DC have kind of brought it into the forefront of culture. Um, Thank God for Disney. Yeah, but I would say it is it is more along the lines of uh, fandom around comic books, video games, and um, kind of alternate universes, right? So, so the universe of like the Marvel universe, the DC universe, a gaming universe, lore, uh, video games and board games, you name it. That's that may be how I describe it. It's it's yeah. kind of hard to delineate it from yeah. from like just regular sports. <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, to me, I, I put it this way: um, a nerd is anyone that obsesses over something that has to do with uh, mental um, or imaginary uh, concepts. So, That's fair. for instance, like baseball is known as the nerd sport. Because <clears throat> while it involves a physical sport of like you actually have to throw, like there are jocks who throw and, and hit and, and, and do all that, um, like the statistics part of it has become so huge. And like you have all these nerds that are like, we love it because it, it, there's a mathematical beauty to the sport. And so they talk about like OPS and all the, all the fancy stats uh, that come out of it. And it's starting to come to hockey and a few other things. But that's, that would be to me the difference is somebody who looks at that and takes the mental side of it rather than the physical side. That would be the separate. Mm. That, would, that okay. would be the only That's thing. And, and it's not that you can't also have a physicality. Um, like, I was a huge nerd, but I also played those sports. But I love the mental side of it. I love the strategy side of it. Also, um, LARPing it is just, very physical. Yeah. Which, if you don't know what LARPing is, it's live-action role-playing. I've yeah. never oh, done no. it. It's it's Well, okay. Hold on. It can be. I've done it, but not in the way that, like, like people do. I've never done it as like an adult. I've done it as like a little kid watching TV shows and then going out and reenacting those. Yeah. But like, I've never like hilarious. met up with people in a park dressed up yeah. as knights and had a sword seen, fight. If you've ever seen people who do that, it seems like it would be so awesome, but it's probably more accurate to how actual medieval battles went, which is like a bunch of people running really scared, acting super brave. And then just like going out of breath, just like, I'm going to get you. <sighs> All right, I'm coming. Hey, I hey, have this sword is heavy. Like that, that I have I, asthma. All right. I am mildly offended at your gesture of you using be, an inhaler. You should we be. We said we were not we said we were not gonna be I, derogatory and your your big derogatory toward me. I feel offended. I feel attacked. <laughs> you can hate it, but you know if you went LARPing, um, you would definitely have that sucker with you. I would, but I would use it before I started, not during. <laughs> the trick to using a rescue inhaler is that you use it 20 to 30 minutes before the activity you're that is about actually to so take true. part in. So pro I have, tip to you I have friends that they suffers. didn't realize that's how it worked. And so <clears throat> they had another friend who had an asthma attack in the middle of, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, um, no, no, no. I do know what it was. It was capture the flag. And um, he took it and wasn't getting better right away. And so all they'd ever seen was movies. And so they were oh, like, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, why isn't he getting better? He's dying. And I'm like, yeah, because it takes 30 minutes like any other medicine, idiots. Like, just leave him alone. Well, actually, actually, my my inhaler works pretty darn fast. The problem is that, so I have this weird app and like add-on that goes, that comes through my insurance. This is a total tangent. 
but it, it attaches and tracks when I use my inhalers. Yeah. I have a controller, mm-hmm. a daily mm-hmm. controller, and a rescue. That's such a nice thing my, to say. I use my rescue inhaler before I exercise preventatively, of course. Um, and now the app that tracks my usage thinks that my asthma isn't well controlled because it sees me using my rescue inhaler every time I exercise. But I'm not using it in a rescue sense. I'm using it to prevent yeah. something. So it's it's weird. And I don't know. And the, the thing is, because I'm using it to prevent something, I don't know if I actually would have an asthma attack or not. So I don't like without it. Yeah. So I don't. So it's this you weird kind of catch wouldn't. point, too. Yeah, but probably, like, yeah. In the, in like, the winter, I will. In the winter, I will. But if in you've the ever summer, had an asthma attack, you know you don't want that. Like exactly, I would rather I've, I'd rather use it preventatively yeah. than than. I would test like that to also theory. add just to add to the nerdum of this. I also had asthma. I also have an inhaler. So let's just let's just okay, that, throw that out right. there. Um, no, Nerd. but like that's the reality. Is like it's, they do all that. They do enjoy that. They enjoy that, but it's the mental side um, that really spins out. So, like, I would consider myself an entertainment nerd, but also a huge history nerd. Like, I was I was a dude that always had my uh, head in a book. Um, you know, I was always, you know, I, I knew all of the stats when it came to all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there are a lot of um, science nerds as well. Like, I also, you know, for me, um, I, I wanted to be a marine biologist for a long time as a kid growing up. And I know that there were other, I would go with other kids and I was like, I have found my people because I'd be sitting there talking about like the mm. manta ray and the different blah, 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 blah. And they were there. And, and so it's like, it's so cool. However, this also meant that back when we were growing up and a little bit more so for me, you probably cut the very end of the tail of that dragon, but uh, nerds to care about anything in elementary school, junior high and high school uh, meant you got picked on. Um, and while I was physically large, I was not a dominating person. So I got picked on a ton. Um, and being large meant I was just a bigger target, which is great. Mm. Um, so like those small, you know, those tiny kids with the little thin, you know, shoulders and everything, they can kind of hide in the corner. I couldn't do that. I was head and shoulders taller than everybody. So it was just like, pick on the, that one. So it was great. And I was an easy to spot guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was, was, yeah, I I went, I went to private school and an Adventist school. And for some reason I don't have the experience. Like my school didn't feel like it had the, the traditional bullying experience. You were, you were more bullied by your friends than you were bullied by some other, like other group of people. Um, but because they were your friends, they shared in the same things you did for the most part. So really the only time you get bullied is by girls who think what you're doing is weird. Right. You got started by, but girls are horribly harsh. You got you got the the very beginnings of what I call the Glee generation, where like the weirdos and the oddballs and the outcasts, like they were all of a sudden the ones in charge because we realized we outnumbered the the cool kids by like eight to one. Well, and, that uh, and we didn't have like traditional like we had varsity sports, but it's not yeah, the same. yeah. But we don't really yeah yeah it's not exactly. the same. No, for sure. So so um yeah. So for me, that's how I would kind of classify. It. It's like any anything that celebrates kind of the more um, cerebral. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, mental faculties, that's a nerd culture and does it to, to an extreme, um, to, to an almost unhealthy extreme. But anyone who does that versus like, like you would rather play Dungeons and Dragons than be the kid that goes out and gets lost in the woods. Like that was me. Yeah. And that was me to a T. Like I loved the concept of camping and I actually loved camping in high school. But if I, if there was like a, a, like, I don't know, like I loved, I loved, pretend like even when i was camping i was pretending i was a conquistador going out and you know what i mean like yeah without the raping and pillaging but definitely the the exploring part so well, like 
in my head, that's that's what culture, that's what nerd culture is when we describe it. And it, it's not negative in the sense that I'm negative to it. I actually feel quite partial to it. But I also know that for a long time, nerds were the easy to pick on target. Well, and here's the thing. Nerd culture runs the same risk as sports culture does as far as time consuming and and um, like the way that you can become addicted to it. You can gamble on it. Esports gambling is yep. a thing. Oh, my gosh. Um, League, League of Legends has a bigger following than hockey does. Uh, the, Dude, the, the cash prizes for the world championships are in the millions now. Yeah. Um, players are making over a million dollars a year between sponsorships and um, and actual like salary. Like they have an esports fantasy league. Yeah. Like yeah. they have an esports like fantasy league. Like yeah, that. Like it's, it's just crazy. Thing. So yeah. I'm on the side of nerd culture. So he's on the history and comic book and, and uh, th- that kind of universe Television, side. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm on the gaming side of it. So yeah. like from 2004 to 2012, I played City of Heroes until it shut down. I have still have a bone to pick with NCSoft and I miss that game. And I, I still actually. What five years, six years later, track with the spiritual successors that have come from it. I was going to say because they, they shut it down because they wanted to build up the other games, right? Or, yep, basically. Yeah, um, because they wanted to screw over their fan base. Even, don't, even though I'm I was going to say, like everybody, I'm everybody still, didn't want it to shut there's down. There's not they were like, another no, we, game. Like we City have other Heroes. ways to make more money. So there's that. Um, then um, well, they really I, I currently like mobile. still to this yeah. day. Like yet last night, I played it. I'll play it probably tonight too. League of Legends is a game I play. It actually saved me. Um, during a breakup and through through some isolation and loneliness, I remember that. Um, yeah. And uh, League of Legends was a huge help for me because it gave me a, a, a time span to get out of my own head and focus on something. And I have a lot of new friends from it in real life and like just uh, over the computer. Um, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which is a battle royale game, mm-hmm. um, which and so League I, of Legends you know, is I'm like much the spiritual FIFA, successor to um, DD, right? Not call it. I'm not really the shooter type, but yeah. Um, like like League of Legends is like the spiritual like the modern version of D and D, basically. Sort of. I mean, it's not as it's not open world, but but it's like a strategy. The, the, the reason that have... I appreciate League of Legends is because of the strategy behind it. Like it, yeah, it kind like of feels a, like this it's giant a turn-based kind of yeah, exactly. Like and that's what that's what kind of Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to be. Except now you can actually like see the characters, yeah, like, move and stuff versus you have your little figurines. Yeah, that's true. So that's that's kind of the two Steve, kind of and this worlds is interesting. we're coming from. Steve is like a mixture of both our worlds because he's both history and gamer, and like he is into the Call of Duty and like he was on a he was on a, a crew and there were like yeah. like serious stuff. Like I didn't realize like how big, like he would be playing for like eight hours straight, and I'd be like, dude, and he's like, hold on, hold on, it's a tournament. Like shut up. Like shut yeah. <laughs> Okay. No, it's it's serious. It's like deal. gaming is gaming culture and gamer culture is 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 incredibly yeah. serious. And what I love about a game like League of Legends is like imagine if you play basketball, right? And you're a big fan of LeBron James. Imagine that the only two ways LeBron James could pl- could practice is with his team or playing in the pickup courts yeah, downtown. Exactly. Exactly. You so just meaning that own... like you could go play at the pickup courts downtown and end up playing against LeBron on any given day and or playing with him. Right, League of Legends is that way because the only way professional players practice is through scrims with their own team yep. or in the actual game itself that is online that you play. And if you get good enough, you end up regularly playing with or against those players. And oh, I'm Legends, sorry, my dog yeah. just randomly barked. I don't really know what that was. So um, it's it's really it's really cool League to me to, because it's so accessible. The esport world, the gaming world, is such an accessible world. Yeah, no, it's cool. Why do you think that? nerd culture has become so pervasive in in the way that it's kind of 
not taken over, but become so so part of the normative for us. It's it's accessible. I mean, you're you're living in a time of history where all of that stuff is is has never been more um, has never been more accessible. And and here's here's the kicker, right? I think this is actually even more important. The community around those things has never been more accessible. So like, it's so much easier for me to find people, whether it's through Tumblr, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. I can find the people that I connect with so much easier than I ever could have back in the 90s, even early 2000s, arguably. There was no way to connect with the people that liked the same things I did. And as a kid, there was no way to afford a lot of that stuff. And so now everything is much more accessible, including the community and the people that you bond with. Yeah, you, you know, think? that was one, one of the big reasons why I didn't get into gaming culture and uh, especially card games and things like that was because, um, you know, my <clears throat> I didn't really have uh, money as a kid. Like I didn't really have um, I didn't really have a, a um, allowance per se. I mean, I had I had a bit. Um, and the other thing is, like, I grew up in Los Angeles um, in the area where I couldn't just walk to a local gaming store. Um, so like I would get Christmas presents and stuff and then I would save up my money and work really hard and then go buy like a Nintendo system. But I couldn't really get into the, um, the amount like people did, um, because they had, you know, allowances or jobs and they could just walk to their local store and get into comics and stuff. So I got into more, um, the, the TV shows because that was really accessible and <clears throat> I could talk to like friends at the library and things like that. Another big one was the library, public library, you know, so I could dive into all those, you know, excellent stuff. And that's how I got into comic books and different things like that. Um, and so for me, it was, like I said, it was, it was all about accessibility. And now because of a, the internet and B um, the availability, a lot of those games, like you were saying, like, I think it really has become pervasive, but I think also we've become into a society that is more tolerant. Um, I think in an agricultural society, cognitive cerebral functions tend to be downplayed because Whereas physical ability is, is yeah, physical abilities is praised. And I think even in the nineties, we were still on the remnant, like the heels of, you know, the, the sixties and the seventies where, you know, agriculture was still a big, big deal. I think now in the, in my lifetime, we've switched to where it really is like farming has become almost completely automated. Um, every, you know, cars are run by computers now, almost completely, you know, we have electric cars. We're in the Star Trek age now. Um, we're past, so I mean, you, a lot of the Star Trek stuff yeah. we've been past for years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like they had flip phones. Like now we can look back at Star Trek and be like, Oh, look at those flip phones. Oh man. Yeah. Like, as we're watching from our phone, you know, on, on Netflix. And so it's crazy to me that, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen that switch to where it's become way more accessible, accessible. But I think also because technology, which is one part of the nerd culture, the geek, geek, you know, stream, um, has, has made our lives so much or, or has become such an integral part of our, our day-to-day life and that we've become used to having technology and therefore we're used to it nerds and techs and, and like, those guys coming in and, oh, they're cool guys. And and then they're like that. It, it becomes so much cooler for the Troy, um, whatever. What's the guy from High School Musical? Oh, Troy. I forget. It's, right, it's Troy. Bolton. Or, Troy Bolton, right? Yeah. Troy Bolton. Troy anyway, 
Yeah, Bolton. Troy Bolton. Yes. Yeah, it's it's so much easier for for like Troy Boltons to come out and kind of be like, "Hey, I really love doing this." Versus back in the day, it was like you hid everything inside. You know, it's like uh, you know, um, most most. I kind of go back to D and D, and I'm going to keep talking about that because that was just like a lightning rod for so much of nerd culture back in the in the eighties. But like D and D sessions had to be done in someone's basement because if you went out in a park and did it, like you get you know beat up and your pieces smashed and stuff. Um, and maybe that's not true. That's just kind of the feeling that I always sensed growing up. Um, well, it's like the, the jocks were in the jocks corner and the nerds were in the nerds corner and you could play magic, the gathering as long as it was over there. And I never really understood that because I liked, you know, Pokemon and magic and Yu-Gi-Oh and I also liked sports. And so for me, I just never saw those barriers, but I understood them to be there. And so now I kind of see nerd culture as like, oh, we've become more tolerant society. We, we, we are okay with the intermingling of these kind of cultures. And you can have a big dude who works out and also likes My Little Pony. Like that's not a weird thing for some reason. It uh, should be. I would like to point out that should be specific, weird. Specifically My Little Pony. Specifically that version. Um, uh, well, okay. But can I, can I propose two more things that I think have played into this too? Possibly, um, man. So A, Hollywood's normalization of nerd culture is part of it too. Um, a lot of biopics or biopics, depending on how you say it. Um, a lot of, uh, superhero movies and, um, Marvel has been huge, but I think there's another side of, there's two more sides to this too. One is a play on something I already mentioned, which is that online community. Here's the thing, because you didn't have a way to express, you didn't have any sort of outlet for the things you liked before you had the online community they the expressions for your interests came out through uh, a lot more through your behaviors your clothing the way you present yourself whereas now when you can ex- when you can express your passion with other people online or you know however or, yeah. or however you're like actually handle. more normal looking people quote unquote end up diving into it and so you have this le- this smaller association with this dude looks weird or this girl looks weird. So she must like weird things. Now it's like normal looking people like um, quote unquote weird things. So I think that's number one, number two. And this one I think too is I think now now bear with me on this. I think the rise of of modern medicine has actually um, has actually improved nerd culture. All right, hot take, hot take. So the reason being, we should, we should right, have a trigger 30, warning even at the 40, beginning 50 of this. years ago and, and more throughout history, if you have some debilitating disease, handicap, something like that, right? Like the chances of you surviving were no. very low. Yeah. Now they're a lot higher. And what we have is this increasing <clears throat> number of people who live with a mental illness or live with some physical disability or some some disease or something where they're, it's left them kind of incapable of doing normal things, whether it's someone born without a hand or someone, an amputee, or someone who um, is sick, like autistic or wheelchair bound or yeah. anything like that, right? Which means that now their interests get expressed and their and their hero their dreams and their heroes all become the people on the big screen. They all become what are the things that that person can do? They can play video games. They can read books. They can read comic books. And you've they got this growing number yeah. of people in that boat, for better or for worse, that now can also partake in that kind of culture. Yeah, it used to be the kind of Ernest Hemingways that were the the heroes of the you know like the writing, and now it's like the Stephen Kings and the you know the kind of smaller, less imposing, you know, figures. So yeah, no, I yeah. definitely, I get that. Um, 
I think also the acceptance of, I think women as a much more viable part of society, um, as far as like the innovators and creators and, you know, back in the day you had to sit in the background. Um, I think that's also brought it up too, because like women are such a huge part of the gaming community, of the nerd community, of the tech community. Um, and now we're starting to see like them be able to really, really come out. And I think that's also pervaded. Um, Which is good. And I hope it continues. Actually, just really recently, there was a, more. I think it was this week or last week um, that it was this week. Uh, a document was released uh, in a journal, a journalist documented basically uh, a culture of sexual harassment at Riot Games, the company behind League of Legends. And um, a lot of people, a lot of former female workers went on Twitter and talked about their experience there and all the sexual harassment that was going on. And um, it's just interesting because as women are becoming more and more a part of gamer culture, of nerd culture in general, um, what I love is that they're speaking out more too. Yeah. And, and we're ever, like, it raises the bar for everyone. And I really love that about it. I, I love that about women joining in and, and, and really trying to, to change the game and literally and figuratively uh, and metaphorically. So I, I just think it's great that and we're with, doing that. And I think it's yeah. disgusting that that culture exists to begin with, but it is what it is. And I can't wait for it to change. And I think, well, I think, well, okay. So is it good that you think, this kind of nerd culture has invaded um, normal society so much. Yes, I do because it's shown people that there's, there's a more wide array of things that we can be involved in. Um, I like, I, I do think it's a good thing. For example, if, if nerd culture was still this terrible thing in my mind that had this, this terrible kind of uh, reputation or connotation around it, like, I don't know where I would be. Because video games and the community around them actually were a big part of helping me through a really dark time in my life. Yeah, so, for sure. Like, just from a personal standpoint, like, yes, I actually, I do. I think it's given people who can't move as much an outlet. I think it's given, um, and I think it's allowed people, um, it's given people a voice, right? Sure. In, yeah. in, in arenas where... Um, in arenas where before they were not allowed to have a voice or their, their voice was irrelevant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, for sure. Also, I think it's a huge industry, like just, just period, like it's a huge industry. So you're talking yeah. about jobs being created and well, um, pouring yeah. into the economy, like just from an economic I mean, standpoint, if, I think it's a good if thing. If you've ever seen the amount of names on a, on a credit, you know, just watch the credit scenes in Marvel, not just for the scenes, but like the actual credits, like that's a lot of names. Like that's a lot of jobs. Yeah, for <laughs> real. Created. I mean, not all of them are from the States, but like just, just yeah. And not all of them get paid fairly. No, they don't. But that's, um, we're working on that. We're trying to get that done. Um, so. I think the other huge thing – well, all right, all right. So why do you think – and I know historically there are reasons, but why do you think um, evangelicalism and kind of mainstream Christianity uh, reacted so negatively towards nerd culture for such a long time? Because um, so I mean, talking about every like, single time a, a new thing has come up, there's always been some sort of like uh, the church is against it. So we're talking about like mainstream Christianity, sure, or Adventism, not like fun. No, not like mainstream Christianity, because Adventism is all across the spectrum. Like it's hard for me to be like, oh, Adventism. I don't know because I'm like there are pockets here and there. Have you ever watched Replacement Gods? I don't. Uh, Well, (laughs) we're not getting into that right now. 
Um, cause I, we would have a whole episode on yeah. that. And by the way, um, um, apologies to listeners. If Tony and I are talking over each other a lot, this episode, for some reason, Google Hangouts is like the, the noise gate on it is cutting us off. So we keep talking over each other without hearing each other. Um, so apologies if that's happening. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and you I'm, hear a lot of overlap. That's not intentional. And I'm in my, my parents' house, so there's going to be background noises and stuff. But just, it's exciting. Yay. We're, Yay. Yeah. We're, so why so, yeah. Why has evangelicalism reacted so negatively towards Cause, it? Because um, the reality is like every time. Because it's a threat. Yeah. Um, like even I say we. Uh, evangelicalism sees it as a threat. And I think as well, um, because we have seen how much money you can spend on comic books and and the the themes and and kind of the things that happen in comic books or or in games and things like that like um you've got you've got basically a world that technically like if i was looking at this not knowing a whole lot i see a lot of action i see mutants i see uh, aliens i see superpowers i see uh, distraction um i see all these things that don't seem to line up with the values that Christianity is trying to kind of portray, um, which is funny because if I open my Bible within three seconds, I can find far more heinous stories than I'd find in a comic book, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yes, I do think that there's a lot of, just from the outside looking in, a lot of themes and a lot of issues that people have found with with kind of uh, nerd culture that they don't, that Christianity, as far as an organization is concerned, it has a has a hard time putting its stamp on things. And part of that I actually think comes back to money and the fact of who's your biggest donor and how conservative or or traditional or whatever are they? What is their opinion on these things? Because Christianity has always been, unfortunately, at the mercy of its biggest tithers. Um, the more that it's institutionalized, the more that it has been institutionalized, I think it's become more and more at the mercy of them. And so uh, and that's been that's been hard. Um, but yeah, that's, that's part of it too. So obviously I, when I said always been, I don't mean like right at the start, but I do mean right, the more yeah. that denominations have, have sprung up, we've been kind of at that mercy. So I think that's part of it. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, I, I agree with you. I think the other thing is, I think it's easy to take anything that seem to disagree. I think <clears throat> for a long time, Christianity had this very debilitating mentality of anything that challenges me is bad. Um, anything that challenges the status quo. And so like, like Dungeons and Dragons, for instance, I'll give a perfect for instance. Like to me, this is an easy one to attack. Like focus on the family. I'm not a huge fan of James Dobson. I like the concept, but I think that he, A, has sold his soul to the political animal. And then B, um, which is literally in Revelation. Like they cracks me up that people, you know, like the evangelical church literally sold its soul to a political animal. I'm like, have you read number <laughs> chapter 14 before? Anyway, so, um, but, but. I think, you know, with James Dobson, I think he had a, a good concept. But I remember as a kid, he was going after Dungeons and & Dragons. And in my head, I'm like, wasn't that made by a Christian? And I'm like, isn't that based on Lord of the Rings? And it is. Like, it's totally based on Lord of the Rings. So um, Lord of the Rings was written by a Christian who wanted to just write this, you know, the, the themes of Christianity into a fantasy novel. And it was when he was working on the history of Britain and all this stuff. And so um, you get a lot of messianic concepts, a lot of very biblical concepts in it in a very subtle way. 
Um, I think of it as like a much more under undercover um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because C.S. Lewis was a good friend of his and he wrote Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is another nerd culture, but it's like overtly Christian. Like it is telling a direct story and, and <clears throat> Tolkien went to him and, and a Cornell legend, I don't know if it's verify me or not. Um, but um, according to legend, he went up to C.S. Lewis and was like, you can't be that obvious. Like you have to be more subtle. Like, you know, people aren't, mm-hmm. people are going to see through it basically, you know, in order to get the message across, you have to have a little bit more subtlety to it. And so, um, like to me, it was always this idea of like, well, what's bad about it? Like step back. And to me, it's always been the same thing. Like I remember when Pokemon came out, same thing. Oh, these are Japanese gods and it's evil and everything. And I'm like, well, but name what's bad about it. Like we're not worshiping them. Like they're not like, you know what I mean? Like it was never, a, and I, I don't think they're real. And I'm asking them yeah, to guide like, me through my like life. Definitely, yeah. Like, and maybe some kids do. I'm like, but they're going to do that with anything then. Like they're going to, you know, like those are the same kids that'll, you know, they do that. They're, they're the kids that like play Slenderman and then go and actually kill somebody to Slenderman where it's like, um, hmm. Man, you know what? Actually, that's what kills me. A lot of the critics of nerd culture always find like the worst possible thing, but then yeah. they find like the, and they use that as their representation for all of it. Like, and, and, Spawn and like, does not represent all of comic book culture. No, <laughs> and and not even that. I'm like, so much of comic book culture is the idea of questioning. It was a way of questioning in a really it was social commentary. Yeah, and but in a in a kind of safe way because it was like this almost satire. So you could kind of go through like. Like Batman in the eighties is all about how New York City was a horrible place to live in in the eighties. Like it was, it was in the middle of the cocaine issue. Like it was the you had a bunch of corruption on Wall Street. It was dirty. It was unsafe. And so, like, that's the irony is like Frank Miller's Gotham, you know, and all this dark kind of weird stuff that turned into the Batman of of Tim, um, the 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 movie Batman's. Um, the reason why it's all weird and kind of dark is because, well, New York was weird and dark and, and you know, this horrible place to live. And so – or not horrible, but very dangerous place to live. Like it was a very, very dangerous place. And so that's the whole concept. That's the whole idea is like it was commenting on something that was real, that existed. And I think a lot of times Christianity kind of buries its head in the sand. Well, and that kind of brings me to my next point, which is what should our reaction – as Christians and as Adventists, what should our reaction in nerd culture be? Because I, I would agree that I think evangelicalism and, and kind of mainstream Christianity has really just kind of fought against it and lost that battle. Um, okay, so now what, what should we do? Should we stay that course? What should we do, Becker? Give us the answers. Um, always, always give you the answers. Uh, I think we should be the same kind of voice that we've been throughout history, which is this, a prophetic voice that basically cautions and warns people um, about the dangers of of certain things. So what I mean by that is I don't think we should be the same prophetic voice that we've been in history and say, don't do this at all, but instead uh, take the take the the view of everything is good, but not everything is beneficial or everything is, you know, it, it's one of those things where in the same way that you follow football or follow basketball or follow music or follow books, right? It's yeah. anything taken to an extreme is bad. Man, even reading the Bible to an extreme is bad. If you get caught up in the conspiracy theories and the numbers and and trying to you know pinpoint you should, certain things, you read and, it eight hours a day. 
Like you should. Yeah, go, like, like Jesus like didn't read the Bible eight hours a day. He went out and, and lived life. Like he spent a lot of time reading it, but like he did not. That was not the majority of yeah. his day. He didn't. If, he didn't lose himself in the in the words. And here's the thing: like if we step out of those cultures, how do we reach the people in them? Right. So you've got an all things to all people sort of mindset where we actually have an opportunity to be a good influence in what could be a very, um, a very non-religious section of, of our culture. And if this is what I hate, right? I think it all comes down to avoid that, that, that verse in scripture in the new Testament says, avoid the appearance of evil. And I find that verse so interesting because the translation is wrong and it's, it's more akin to just avoid all evil in your life, but not, uh, or avoid avoid doing evil in your life instead of avoiding the appearance of it. So in other words, um, if that verse was correctly translated as appearance, then Jesus would have sinned because Jesus was called, and we have biblical record of it, that Jesus was called a, a drunkard um, and a sinner and a glutton. So he did not avoid the appearance of evil, and neither should we. It's impossible to avoid the appearance of evil because someone somewhere will always think you're doing something wrong. And... So for me, it's a matter of how much am I allowing nerd culture to impact my life? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, like I've actually learned some huge lessons through League of Legends, like playing that game. There are things that I wish I could use in my sermons, uh, moments and things like I wish. I, I think it'd be so cool if I was talking to a room full of gamers <laughs> in church um, that we could talk about that. And so it's this I just crazy... add them anyway. I just, <laughs> I just, I just do it because I'm a I'm my, a my pastor, church members won't get, get it. it. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where moderate everything is moder- in moderation sort of deal and i think we should be prophetic and, and cautionary to say don't get too wrapped up in this stuff and i do think there are parts of nerd culture you don't jump into right like i do think some of the more demonic stuff and some of the more uh evil evil focused stuff like yeah let's not stay away with that right like i wouldn't exactly encourage someone to watch helsing or one of or some of those other shows but it's i i think there's a place for nerd culture in the church um, I think we have nerd culture in the church already, just period. Um, and I think I think the church just needs to be careful. Unfortunately, I don't think the denomination as a whole can can ever or will ever give its stamp of approval to nerd culture. Yeah. But I do think that as far as an individual level and as far as individual churches are concerned, I do think we can do a lot better in this arena. I think it's interesting you brought up the idea of like we can use it to, to serve people. <clears throat> one thing that I've seen nerd culture do, which is bring cultural barriers together. Like <clears throat> up here at Andrews, there's been a lot of racial tension. Uh, ever since I stepped on campus, I just, you feel it. It's like a blanket or like a, like a, you know, you ever been to a place and all of a sudden you're like, your allergies tell you like something's here. Like that's how it feels. And mm. yet Black Panther came out this year and, um, like, honestly, I've never seen so many people on campus, like, of all different colors, just coming together and just talking about this movie. It was so cool because they were discussing the issues that Black Panther brought up, but they were doing so – like, they were discussing these racial issues that, that had been so tense and so angry and so volatile – before that movie. And then afterwards they were discussing those same exact issues, but within the realm of this movie. And it was almost like you kind of transported you into the, um, Oh my gosh, why is my brain shutting down? Um, Dr. Strange, the, the glass world. It's the, the mirror world. No mirror. Um, world. Yeah. It's like we got sent into the mirror world, mirror realm. Like 
where all of a sudden nothing really goes like we can talk about those issues and we could go through that in the movie and everything. And it was so cool to watch because like all of a sudden people who weren't POCs got, you know, oh, oh, I see why that, you know, that could be a problem. And then people who were POCs were kind of like able to engage them in, in better conversation because like they had this now plug to start connecting. It was so cool to me. I'm like. Now, does that solve a lot of issues? No, but it started, like at least broke down some of those barriers. So I think it's cool that we can use that to our benefit. Um, this is, this is, I think, a big concern. And this is where I do agree with um, kind of like what you were saying and, and, and kind of mainstream Christianity. Um, syncretism, I think, is a big issue with Christianity, which is basically syncretism is when you, when you take one set of beliefs and you compromise it with another set of beliefs and you come to something that is not even a mixture of both, but rather a incomplete, um, an incomplete sync. I keep wanting to say in sync, like an incomplete. You end up with mixture. an incomplete picture of both. Is yes, really what yes, happens. that's what it is. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. That's what I was like, trying to say. Like, like you're not, you're it's not. not like yeah. a good, it's like when it's you not multitask. Like taking the best of one and the best of others. It's like you you leave. You have one empty shell of both sides, and that's what syncretism does. And so I kind of get why Christianity has it from that end. So what is the line um, with syncretism? How do we avoid doing that? How do we avoid slipping into that idea and letting kind of these non-biblical ideas slip into our church? Uh, I think part of it is identifying what the non-biblical ideas are. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, like that's, that's number one. But number two... Um, Simple solution. I really do think it, it comes down to personal lifestyle matters um, yeah. and, and, and kind of what you're doing. Um, for example, I wouldn't be having like a Spider-Man Sabbath. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have like a, like a Spider-Man church, church, as a, church as a day. Spider-Man, as a Spider-Man fan, I'm offended by that. So, well, okay. So here's, I actually think nerd culture is at less of a risk of syncretism than others because nerd culture is founded on things that are primarily imaginary. Whereas yeah, syncretism really more true. has to do with things that you actually like really acknowledges your gods. And this is actually, so I think we're at the most risk of syncretism when we treat comic book heroes like they are gods or like, like people pray to them as if they're gods. And the reason, Mm -hmm. and so actually I think the people at most risk of syncretism are the people that are criticizing nerd culture, not the people who partake of it. Interesting. So, um, but I look at, man, I look at superheroes and I look at these moments. I, I see the parables of Jesus as kind of like as as the biblical kind of model of of comic books mm-hmm. in in that he paints imaginary heroes as um uh, imaginary people as 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 the heroes in the stories like i look at the good samaritan this like this this foreigner that the jews hated being the hero in a story right you you think yeah. about think about when superman comes on the scene an alien how's that for like liter- a literal yeah. a- alien yeah. Uh, someone of a different race coming in and actually being the hero to people who do not understand him. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at like Captain America, who's a mutant as a result of, of genetic testing. And you like, listen to this, the, one of the most iconic speeches from the civil war um, comic book series where he, um, we actually hear this in the movie civil war, but it comes from a different character. Captain America civil war, not like the yeah. American civil war. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Captain America civil war. Um, he says, it doesn't matter what the press says, doesn't matter what the politicians or the mob say, doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something, is wrong, something wrong is something right. This nation was founded on, the princ- on one principle above all else, the requirement that we stand up for what we believe, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press 
and the whole world tell you to move. Your job is to plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. Like, that's a biblical statement. Just so we are 100% clear, that is actually completely in line with biblical values and Christian values. I could 100%. quote like three verses where that's exactly... Yeah, uh, yeah like that's what, like, so I... <laughs> I just, I find it incredible that, like, that's why I think syncretism is bad. Syncretism is more, people who criticize superheroes and, and, and nerd culture are more at risk because they try to attribute more power to nerd culture than there actually is. These are stories. Um, I do think we are at risk of syncretism if we wrap ourselves in those stories and prefer them to real life. Yes. But we do that with sports. We do that with alcohol. We do that with, I mean, just about any other addiction possible. So um, I, mean, I think nerd culture is the same. Yeah, we always plant sports as kind of like the antithesis um, of nerd culture. But um, if you look at the rituals, they're almost the same. Like you put yeah. on your, your costume, uh, you, you know, put on your war paint, uh, you go and you, you know, you cheer for your side and um, – you spend a lot of money to view like the only thing is sports is like live and nerd culture is kind of, but again, you have esports and stuff like that. But like, to me, it's just the same thing. Like there's no difference between the Comic-Con and the Super Bowl in my head. Like one's going to be panels and people discussing stuff. One's going to be a bunch of grown men running into each other. Either way, you're going to get a lot of tailgating. You're going to get a lot of people in sexy dress. You're going to get a lot of like costumes and yelling and, fights and like it's gonna happen you know it's 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 exciting and to me i think that's it's it's just that kind of same deal of like yeah don't don't give it too much power well and my thing too is we look at people who spend thousands of dollars on sporting equipment or like mountain biking and we don't judge them at all but someone who instead of spending money on mountain biking or something like that they spend money on buying equipment to cosplay at comic-con or um, at Dragon Con or whatever con that they'll go to, and we say no, that's terrible. But it's like they're investing in their hobby with their with their disposable income. Like there's no, it, it, it is what it is. Now, like I said, if you dive in and make it that that your entire world and your entire life, you've got a problem, sure. But that's with anything. Like that, I'm not saying anything about nerd culture. That I wouldn't say about literally any other hobby or interest that someone has. In other words, we're normalizing it, which is a yeah, good thing in my sure. opinion. So is there any value, kind of wrapping up, I mean, is there any value that we can glean, glean that we can glean from uh, nerd culture? Well, what do you in think? your opinion? I asked you. Um, I, think that I, I, I think there is a lot. Um, personally, I want to write it. I wanted to write. Dude, English is hard. Um I've for a long time I wanted to write a book called There's a Sermon in There Somewhere. And then I found out like five other people have written a book on the same exact thing, which is finding God in that. I think I might still write one less as like a and more like a personal biography and how I found God in nerd culture. Um but I I just love it. To me, I have had more experiences. Now granted, I think it starts from reading the Bible and being able to recognize, like you said. Um, but I will see something in nerd culture and, and I, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that so much. Like I look at nerd culture and I go, man, the church can learn so much from it. Like there's, there's this blending of ideas and, and even <clears throat> what's interesting is you'll get something like Gamergate. For those of you who don't know, uh, well, you'll be able to explain that better, but there was a huge controversy 
um, even something like that happens and people will get together and have legitimate discussions and safe places where we can come together and be like, look, we might disagree. We might not agree on how that goes, but at the end of the day, we're still going to come together and discuss this. And I think the church can just value that so much. And it's constantly thinking and exploring and looking at different angles. Um, I mean, there are like five different origin stories for someone as iconic as Batman, you know, much less, I mean, you know, there's some comic book characters that literally every single time they write a, a new story arc for them, it's a new, um, none come to mind, but you know, it, it's a brand new origin story where they write a whole new reason mm-hmm. for that. Um, and, and just the, if you just back up a little bit, I think it kind of questions and asks, like, are we doing the right thing? Um, are we, are we truly, you know, the things that we thought were the best, the things that we thought were, were, were important and valuable, um, is that, and it, and it causes us to take a step back and get perspective. And I love that fact. Um, for me with Harry Potter, you know, there was such a huge outcry against Harry Potter, which by the way, is it's like of the, of the horrible wizardy things, one of the most mild, like, <laughs> If you're out there and you think Harry Potter is evil and full of demonic stuff, I got to tell you, like, I'm not advocating against you. I think you absolutely should do what you're convicted on, but just know it's extremely mild. The whole point of the comic book series, the whole point of the book series is that good will ultimately win versus evil. Um, that evil is only allowed to thrive when, you know, good people allow it to. Um, burying our heads in the sand doesn't change anything. And that love is the ultimate magic. You know, love is the most powerful thing. And I go, where in that is, you know, to me, I go, where's, where's something bad in that? Yes. They wave around wands and call people muggles, but where is there something terrible and evil and malicious? Oh, you mean there's casual racism in Harry Potter? Gee, that's so unlike our world. <laughs> yeah. I and can't so, believe they would do such a horrible thing. And so there's that idea of like, you know, like, why is that bad? Every story in the Bible, that's what the Bible's trying to tell us. Now, granted, it uses different names for it. Um, and and the, on, the honest to goodness irony of all this is that, um, from what I understand, the writer is actually, she's a Christian. And so, you know, this idea of good versus evil and that, you know, love is the most important and family and friendship and community. Those are things that I think we can gain from nerd culture. And and things that I think we need to incorporate, we should incorporate into our own churches and learn how to do better. Not that they do everything good, not that it does, um, and and not that we should just wholesale take anything. Um, I think you have to modify and adjust everything you do. But I think there's a lot. I think there is. Well, I think too. Like, okay, so someone looks at Harry Potter. Well, it's the way that it's not the themes that are bad. It's the way they go about using those themes with violence and 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 trickery and and and. Um, and magic and all this stuff. Okay, so let's go into the Bible real quick and remove all the stories where themes are are conveyed and communicated through those same tactics. You end up having to remove the one act that our entire faith is based on, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Violence, magic, supernatural power, um, trickery in Judas's deception, and and and. Um, his deception and betrayal of Jesus, magic in Peter him, in, in Jesus putting, a, betrayed, putting an yeah. ear back. Yeah, Peter lies. Like, you've got Judges 19 where a dude cuts up his own daughter. You've got all these terrible, violent stories in Scripture that are used to communicate. Um, typically, they're either used to communicate some greater picture of who God is, or in the case of Judges 19 uh, and stories like 
all of judges, are used to communicate what happens and what can happen when you, don't, yeah. when you don't have a better view of who God is and you don't allow that view of God to, to, to kind of guide your life. So, so yeah. there's, there's all these moments in Scripture. We sit here and we judge everything else and we've got a book full of these stories that we won't even recognize. So yes, I absolutely do think that there is value in nerd culture and I think it has the same kind of value that a lot of the stories in Scripture have for us. And if your only difference between the violence in a comic book or a game and the violence in scripture is that one's in the Bible, I'm sorry. Like, that's ridiculous, especially well, since the same things can be communicated in more contemporary and contextualized ways. And I don't mean to rag on anybody, but one of the, one of the times I was talking about it, like video games, and I got very judgmental from this family. They're like, oh, it's just a violent video games. It's just the result of the violence. And I literally looked. Their son was in the Marines and they had like all this culture of, you know, Marine culture up there. And I wanted to be like, um, my video games never killed somebody in the Middle East. So like, and it wasn't a, you know, like it wasn't a shot against the Marines. Like I have a lot of friends that are in the forces. I support our, our forces, not the war. That's another story. Um, but like, <laughs> you like, basically just said like the Marine version of I have black friends. I just want you to know that. Nothing against the Marines. I have friends in the Marines. I live live with a Marine. They're horrible and they do horrible things. No, but the reality is like I wanted to look up and be like, um, if you're going to eliminate violence from your life, like if, and and not saying that it's wrong, not saying that they were wrong or right. I'm just saying like, let's There's a double standard and hypocrisy. There's a double standard that you have to use, you know, use something else to come at me. And it's the same thing with that is like you were saying, like, if you're going to talk about like, oh, it uses magic or uses, I'm like, what doesn't? Name me a little child that doesn't go out and pretend he has magical powers. I haven't met one. Maybe one that's like been in, you know, like a child soldier because they're traumatic and never were able to have a childhood. But I'm like, every child goes out and wishes they could do something or they want to be a pirate or a cowboy or something. I'm like, you know, or a ballerina or, you know, like I'm like, every child uses their imagination and comes up with these concepts where they're the yeah. hero of their own story. I'm like, so you know what you I used know, to do as a kid? It's childlike. You know, those, you know, those really, those like three, four foot, four foot long, uh, plastic sticks for pinatas that have like, yep. so that the handle is black, but then there's like confetti, like kind of taped, not confetti, but plastic kind of paper taped to make it colorful. Ah, yeah, crazy, right? So crazy I used paper. to take those. Yeah. So I used to take those, and I would take off all the paper and I would take silver duct tape and I would wrap the end of it, but keep the handle black. And I would make like samurai swords out of it. And I'd go into the backyard and I'd swipe at trees and I'd swipe at plants and friends and I would have sword battles or sword fights. And like, and we do all these crazy spin moves and that don't make any sense. And I would have lost an arm or a leg. And yeah, absolutely. Like, looks pretty, but um, everyone, like everyone does this. Everyone looks for the greater heroes and looks for inspiration in a life that might be mundane sometimes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Someone's, someone has a problem with Superman being a Christ figure. What's wrong with seeing Jesus? Literally, our entire faith is, is based around like being Jesus to others and seeing Jesus in each other. And so you're, you're telling me that I can't find the same themes of Jesus' love for me in a comic book or in a video game or something like that. Like someone comes to the rescue and reminds me that there's someone that fights for me, that advocates for me, and that wants me to live a good life. Like why, why is that a bad thing? It just, it floors me. Oh, but we didn't create it and we're not profiting off of it. Like that's, that's, the, that's what the yeah, cynical side of me that, wants to say. That and... and- I think there's a fear that it'll replace it. And I'm like, 
you know, I think for a lot of people, like nerd culture has replaced religion um, because nerds tend to be a lot nicer than religious people. Um, there, I said it. Um, at least on my a, personal. Experience. I mean, there's there's examples of both. Yes, I would agree. Yes, no, they're they're total. Oh my gosh! Yes. I will the say, people, I will say, nerd culture generally can are be, horrible. Yeah, right. But yeah. if like if you're a nerd culture on one side, you know, if you're on one side of nerd culture, you might not be. So it's always yeah. Playstations versus Xboxes. Like, yeah, I get that too. Yeah, but, exactly. But um, you know, I found that a lot of people have replaced it. But to me, in my mind, I go, if you read any of the stories from the Bible. Like they are so much more real and relatable and offer hope that comic books don't. Like if anything, comic culture tends to be bleaker than real life because real life tends to be very like without hope. And so mm. comic book culture tends to it, – it, yes, there is positivity to it. But it's – especially in the postmodern world, this is positivity with a tinge of bitterness and like we'll do our best while everything you know is kind of going to pot. Versus with Christianity, we have actual hope. Like there is light at the end of the tunnel and goodness. And like that's why I love things like Lord of the Rings because it's based on that biblical concept of there is something better out there. And yeah. to me, again, if we if we use this to – if to me, I, I go back to what you said before. Everything is lawful. Not everything is helpful. To me, nerd culture and, and what I have read, the things that bring me closer to God – and remind me of him, I tend to keep. And things that don't, I tend to let go. Um, and that is, but even things that don't, it, 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 to me, if I put it up against the, the measuring rod of the cross and go, this is why I don't, I disagree with it. This is why I am not this way. This is why I choose not to live my life this way. To me, it should always bring me closer to God. I think if you are spending that time with him and you are focusing on him, I think we can glean a lot. Of nerd culture, and to me, I think it, it adds a lot to my life, uh, where a lot of other things um, don't. It's almost like that using that wisdom and discernment that God has given you and gives you as a growing Christian is something that you're supposed to do. Crazy, um, amazing, just absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I understand that because of the listenership of this uh, of this podcast that we've kind of been talking in an echo chamber this episode, perhaps a little bit, a um, little bit. But perhaps okay. we've equipped you with a different way to communicate some of this stuff talk about some of this stuff or maybe give you a perspective on it that you haven't considered. Um, you know, I was brutally honest about some of the stuff that I play and some of the stuff that I consume. And I know that that can affect me in different ways. So, you know, take it for what it's worth, but I do, I am, I think the movement of nerd culture is a good thing overall. Yeah, and I sure. think we as Christians do need to use our wisdom and discernment when partaking of it, just like we kind of dive into any anything, other kind yeah, of culture. Yeah, for sure. So, um, with that, that is episode 50. That wraps it up. So thank you guys so much for being on this journey with us. I cannot thank you enough. It's so cool. 50 episodes later, we've got Ooh. a sponsor. We've got patrons. Like it, I've got a co-host. It's just we're releasing weekly. We've got a website. I just can't believe awesome. all of this. Um, so thank you guys so much for being a part of this journey. If you listen to us on iTunes, please leave a review. You can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, or any podcasting app, or find us online at theabsurdity.org. You can find us on patreon.com slash absurditypodcast if you want to give financially to this and support us. And if you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email me, ryan180becker at gmail.com, or find me on Twitter at ryan180becker, or Tony, what's your Twitter? At Tony underscore Anobili, A-N-O-B-I-L-E, or you can just look up the new Dr. Jones. 
Also, we are taking donations for water that we will mail to Tony so that please he doesn't do. have to clear his throat every three please seconds do. on the podcast. So dry so, out um, here. Please send those to myself. Uh, just ah, and- ah, <laughs> Tony, I love you. Thank you so much, man. Um, you, you, you are wonderful. So take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, Go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.